And uh, to start off this morning, we're going to jump straight in. I would like to run a little bit of a live survey. Is that okay? So a live survey. And I've got essentially two questions. So I'd love you to hear the questions and then respond, and just by popping your hand up. So the first thing is, to put your hand up in a minute, just not quite yet, is if you first came to this church because at some point somebody invited you, or if you'd consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, that you came to know Jesus because at some point somebody told you about Jesus. So if two of those, if either of those things are, are true for you, why don't you just stick your hand up for me? Okay. I'll work on the findings of my survey this afternoon. It looks like it's pretty clear, doesn't it? You don't need to be a statistician, I've been working out how to say that word all week, to, to work out the results of that survey. You know, most of us came here to church or came to know Jesus because at some point somebody told us something and invited us to come and to see Jesus for ourselves. And so based on our survey and more importantly um, what the Bible says, um, we'll get on to that. If we want people to come and to see Jesus, then at some point we've got to go and tell them about him. And really it's that simple. And it's one of these things that I think is simple, maybe in theory, but in practice it can be a little harder. Because I think most of us here would we'd probably agree that in our heart of hearts, we want to be a people who goes and tells our friends, our family about Jesus. But in reality, it can be a little bit harder. It, it can almost be filled with emotion, with kind of past disappointments or maybe failure or, or shame or just like, oh man, I'm just not that kind of a person. And if you feel like that, then don't worry because you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. And I've had my own fair share moments of these invitational flop situations. And uh, when I was at school, I invited my RE teacher to come um, to church. And um, instead of coming, he just called me Happy Clappy Susie. And he mocked me for the rest of my school time. Or the time when our small group, we had this, um, we were trying to do like an invite thing in our street, so we invited them all to come to this cream tea thing. I don't know, we invited 50 people maybe when I just moved into the street. And I had high expectations. We had scones coming out of our ears. I don't know if that's the phrase. Scones coming out of everywhere. And um, not everywhere, scones. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and three people came. Three people came and I could almost cope with the disappointing numbers, but what I couldn't cope with was the people kind of avoiding this new Christian on the street. Thankfully, since then, I've built a bit of ground. But you're not alone if you've ever felt like an invitational, like an inviting flop. But I'd love for all of us, you know, to hang in there this morning because I really believe that as we look at this afresh, that God is going to come and meet with us this morning. And my prayer is that as we paint the picture of what happens when we come and we see Jesus, that we would feel inspired or even compelled to be and to continue to be a church that goes and tells. So we're going to jump into the Bible straight away. Um, we're in John chapter 1. And um, what, what we're about to read is a series of moments of people encountering Jesus. A series of come and see moments. And uh, to set the scene, this, this little book, John, it's one of the Gospels. It opens with this guy called John the Baptist. And, uh, and uh, he's Jesus' cousin. He's not the person who's writing the book, so don't get confused about that. But anyway, this guy, John the Baptist, he was a man who was chosen by God 
to announce the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, the ones that the Jews were waiting for. And he was the one who, who called the people, who was calling the people of Israel to turn around because the kingdom of God was near. And it was coming in a new way in the person of Jesus, in a way they didn't expect, but in the person of Jesus. And so in this passage in John 1, what John is trying to do is he's trying to say to these guys, don't follow me, look at Jesus, you need to be following him. So here's the first encounter, we're going to jump around a bit, so I'm just going to read it on here. John 1 verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and uh, they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So this is our first encounter. These two guys, they recognize that Jesus, he's not just some ordinary kind of guy. He's the Lamb of God, and they drop everything to follow Jesus. And as they do, Jesus, he strikes up a conversation with them. He asks them what they want, and he invites them to simply come and see. Come, and you will see. And this was an invitation for them to, to get to know him, to, to hang out with him, to spend some time and to, to experience what life looks like with him. So let's see what happens the second encounter, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Andrew and his mate, they have this come and see moment. They see Jesus. And this cycle begins to happen. I think a slide's going to come up. Come and see, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. They came, Andrew and his friend, they came and they saw. But they literally couldn't contain the news. They, so they don't waste any time. They just go straight away. Their come and see moment becomes a go and tell moment, which becomes Peter's come and see moment. Get it? Yeah? And uh, Peter, he's, he's just all in. He's the kind of, he just jumps straight into this situation. No questions asked. The phrase, we found the Messiah, it's enough for him. It's enough to convince him to follow Jesus. And we haven't got too much time this morning to go into too much depth with this, but the words Messiah and Christ in these encounters are so important. And John is, he's really intentionally using these words to be like, guys, this is him. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the chosen one, the anointed one. He doesn't look like what you expected, but he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the one that the scriptures in the Old Testament prophesy towards. What a moment this must have been for Peter. You know, he meets Jesus, he comes and sees him, and Jesus not only knows his name, but he knows who he's going to become. The cycle, come and see, go and tell. Jesus' disciples, they're multiplying. Let's carry on. There's one more story to go, and then we'll uh, draw some points out. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And I love it. You know, Philip here, he, he again is like Peter. He's straight in. He's both feet in. And he goes and finds Nathaniel. 
verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip farmed Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and on whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Rude response. But Nathanael's response is a little bit different to Andrew, to Peter, to Philip. He's got some questions, and I love Philip's response. You know, he doesn't start getting the apologetic books out. He doesn't start arguing, or, or he's not scared of his questions. He simply says, come, Philip, and you will see. And uh, this reminds me of, of a friend of mine who's called um, Boise. That's uh, sort of, it's not his real name, but it's his second name. Anyway, it's a short thing. Um, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. But anyway, he came to um, uni as a student. And he met some friends from here who were Christians. And he came with no faith background at all. And as he started to get to know these Christians, he started to have questions about Jesus. And uh, instead of Matt, his mate, answering all of them, Matt just said to him, mate, why don't you come along? Why don't you come here? Why don't you come and do Alpha and see what's going on? And so Boise comes along to this church. He comes along. I think he did the first ever Alpha course here. He met Jesus and um, the trajectory of his life has changed forever. I'm 15 or more years on now. It's way more than that, I think, just trying to sound a bit younger. He, um, he serves Jesus as a, as a GP. He takes all the opportunities he gets. He's going and he's telling people about Jesus. All because somebody invited him to come and see. Philip invites Nathaniel to do the same. Let's see how Nathaniel responds. Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under that fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus says to him, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, he came and he saw Jesus. And just like with Peter, Jesus tells him things about him that nobody else could have known. He experiences him and it changes his life forever. And this is the start of Jesus' followers this is the start of the church. You know, two became three, three became four, four became, then there's 12 of them. Suddenly there's like, you know, more, 72. Then we're everywhere now, all around the world. All because, if we have that slide back up, a bunch of guys took the invitation to come and see. And they, in turn, went and told so that others could come and see, so that they went and told, so that more might come and see. You get it? come and see you go and tell okay and today guys we find ourselves in this cycle we find ourselves in this story a crucial part of it because at some point if we stop if we come and see Jesus but we don't go and tell the cycle doesn't work Jesus has commanded us to go and we've seen that time and time again in in this church just the other week we okay, yeah, okay, great we had a um a staff day and uh, James and Jen Rankin, they came to, to speak. And some of you will know them, but they planted Cardiff Vineyard out of here 10 years ago. And um, James and Jen, they both came here as students. James knew Jesus, but Jen didn't. And um, James invited Jen 
to come and see. And it was so moving as Jen retold her story of coming to faith here at Trent. She articulated it as being a story of hope. My story is a story of hope. And she said, it's not because I met James and married him, although that was good. It's not because I got a great degree. It's because I met Jesus. That is my story of hope. And then they've gone and they've told the people of Cardiff. That church is an amazing church. I often go there because I've got friends there. They've also planted another church out of that church. Jesus came so that we could see. And when we come and see things happen. We just heard some amazing stories of people's lives being changed by meeting Jesus this morning. Think back to these stories. What happened when these guys came and saw Jesus? When they saw, they experienced. When they saw, they changed. And when they saw, they couldn't help but go. And actually, it's the same for us, apart from it's in the present tense, because we're alive, hopefully still. What happens to us when we come and see? When we see Jesus, we experience him. When we see, we change. And when we change, we just can't help but go. So when we see, we experience. Just for a moment, I'd love you to to think back about how it felt when you took up that initial invitation to come and to see Jesus. You know, maybe it's your first morning here this morning and somebody just invited you to come. Think about perhaps how that's felt so far this morning. Maybe you've been following Jesus just a little time or a long time. But remember back, how was it when you first experienced him? How has your life changed as a result of that encounter? And if I was to to get the microphone and come around and interview each one of you this morning, don't worry, I'm not going to do that because it would take a long time. But it would be so inspiring to all of us because there's so many stories of hope sat in this room. Stories of people encountering Jesus. Because when we see him, we experience him. And that's my story, you know. Um, For for me, I was a little bit more like Nathaniel. I had all sorts of questions about faith. And um, so many people were badgering me to come and see Jesus for myself and it took one day when I was about 13 or 14 my youth leaders just said there's there's no more like you can ask as many questions as you want but you need to experience Jesus they prayed for me and as they prayed for me in that moment I experienced Jesus in a way um, that was so real and it was close and it was like tangible I sensed this love that I'd never felt before and it's not that I didn't know love I'd grown up in a really loving family but this love was different and it's difficult for me to really pop that moment into words because it really has, has, has set the trajectory of my life. And without Jesus, I don't know where I would be. I don't really want to think about it. But remembering back, it makes me so grateful. So grateful that my mum pushed me to go to church even when I wouldn't get out of bed on a Sunday morning. Some of you have had that this morning. It makes me grateful that just before I was born, my mum met some people who invited her to come and see Jesus. And as a result of that, my dad met Jesus, my grandma met Jesus, others in our family did. Grateful that my friends constantly said, come along, come along. Grateful that my youth leaders took the risk, they persisted in there and hung out and offered to introduce me to Jesus. I'm sure we've all got our own stories like that. For some here this morning, it's time for you to meet Jesus. You know, it's time for you to come and to see him 
for yourselves. And we're going to give an opportunity to do that at the end. But for many of us, this come and see moment, it happens over and over again in our lives. And we need to come afresh and see him. To experience more of his, his joy, his love, his peace, kindness, his perspective. Because when we see him, we experience him. And when we see him, we change. With their permission, I'd love to tell you a story of a young person uh, in youth who, who I've experienced the most incredible cha change in their life over the last couple of years. So um, Robin, she's 16, and uh, she's got a brother called Gab. And um, when, they were, when Robin was five, they were, they were both adopted together. The two of them together, there's 11 biological siblings. And um, their adoptive parents are Christians, and they're so committed to um, wanting them to know Jesus that they basically took them on a church search in Nottingham and they said, which church do you want to go to? And they ended up coming here. But the last couple of years being a teenager for, for Robin, who I know better, has been particularly difficult. And um, she was struggling, I guess, with all sorts of feelings of lack of self-worth, feeling like she wasn't valuable, looking at everybody else and feeling like God could use them. But she felt, in her own words, like she'd been thrown aside a spare part, a spare part and um, a couple of years back, I was sat at, at Soul Survivor, which is a youth camp, and we ended up having this little chat on a bench. And Robin was in a really, really difficult place. You know, she was crying out for help. It wasn't an easy conversation as, as a youth pastor to have at the time. It wasn't an easy conversation for her. And I did the best I could in that moment. But as I left that conversation, I thought, she has to meet Jesus for herself. She just has to. And... Um, Anyway, as I say, you know, a couple of, couple of months on, uh, we get along to DTI, which was our vineyard youth camp. And, um, and Robin has a moment where we call people to, fo to follow Jesus. And she decides to experience Jesus for herself. So she comes to know Jesus. And, and actually, it's an amazing thing um, because she ends up getting healed from a, from a leg condition in the midst of all of it. And after meeting Jesus, it wasn't like suddenly she met him that one day at DTI and everything changed. It's been a journey of change, which she's still on. But this year at Soul Survivor, I popped in for a couple of days and we happened to be walking along. And we walked past that bench. And as I looked at the bench, it was like a flashback to that moment a couple of years ago. And I thought, what the Lord has done in her life in the last two years has been unbelievable. And I said to her, mate, do you remember the conversation we had on that bench and she said, no. I said, yes, you do. That's a conversation neither of us are ever going to forget. And she shrugged her shoulders and she said, yeah, of course I do. And I said, look at what Jesus has done in your life. Since then, she's grown in confidence in her identity. There's a peace and a hope and a life about her that only Jesus could have changed. Because when we experience him, when we see him, we experience. And when we see him, we change. And then when we see him, we go. You know, the disciples in these passages, they were so captivated by what they'd experienced that they just couldn't help but go. They couldn't contain the news. And it wasn't out of this sense of duty. It wasn't because, you know, Jesus was like, go on, go on, tell them. It was because of what Jesus had done in their lives. They just had to go. And the Great Commission, which you'll find at the end of Matthew, which is really, really famous, says this. So Jesus has died and he's risen and he says this just before he sends him to heaven. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, he said, all authority, guys, well, he didn't say that. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in the na- of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you until the very end of the age. So there's this therefore go. There's the come and see and the therefore go. But the therefore go is in the context of the come and see. Because those guys had seen Jesus. They'd experienced him. They changed. The going flowed out of that. It wasn't a duty. It was a joy. And, the, and then you see the explosion of the church afterwards. You know, there's these invites and invites and invites being handed out everywhere. Not to like a rubbish lane party, but to like the party of all parties. An invite into life. An invite to come and see Jesus. And you know what's cool about that story with Robin, that young person I was telling you about, is that this year at Soul Survivor, she invited another one of her biological siblings. And uh, so this girl's called Abby. She's 17. She lives in Leeds. And I just happened to be there on the night when they did a call from the front, if you'd like to come to know Jesus. And I had the privilege of watching her stand up. They all sat down, 4,000 kids, stand up, walk to the front with her sister to give her life to Jesus. And it was a moment where... I had to sort of rein in the emotion. But it was amazing. It was amazing to see. And, uh, and I said to Abby afterwards, Abby, how do you, how do you feel? And uh, she said, I feel saved. And I thought, that's a funny response for a young person to say. It's true, but not normal language that they perhaps would use. And she said, I didn't say saved. I said, I feel safe. For the first time in my life, I feel safe. And as I reflected with Robin later on, I said to Robin, look what Jesus has done in your life over the last couple of years. You came and you've seen Jesus. And now your sister has life in Jesus for for eternity, forever, because you were brave enough to invite her. Robin's come and see moment turned into a go and tell moment, which became Abby's come and see moment. You see, that's what happens when we truly see Jesus. When we experience him, we change. And then we can't help but go. So what does it look like this morning for you, for us, to invite the people around you? And who is it, perhaps, that you might start with? You know, maybe for some, it's, it's even just coming out of hiding at work and saying, you know what, I do actually follow Jesus. Maybe for others, it's finding ways at, at work or at home with your friends, to share your come and see story, to share your story of what's happened as you've experienced Jesus and how he's changed your lives. Maybe it's taking a risk and inviting them to come and see here on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's inviting them to come and check out Alpha. You know, this one could actually be a great place to start because as you've already heard this morning, it's in less than four weeks time now. And Alpha is so brilliant. Actually, Alpha is, is part of my story. It's part of, of Boise's story. I think it's part of Jen's story, but I'd have to verify. But how about inviting someone? You know, it might feel like a little bit of a risk, and I guess it is, but really, what is the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? We might feel a little bit silly. Somebody might avoid us in the street for a couple of days. But soon they'll probably forget about it. But what's the best case scenario? Best case scenario is that we have a situation like Jen, 
like Boise, like Robin, like me, like hundreds of you here this morning, that come and see Jesus and have their lives changed forever. It could be the beginning of an amazing journey. And uh, I love hearing stories of people in this church who, who are great at inviting. You know, whether it's to things here at church or it's at home. And uh, over the last few years, I've been inspired by a friend of mine in this church who, who just loves inviting people. And so to inspire us herself, I thought we'd welcome Lizzie Miller up this morning. So give her a warm hand. Don't worry, we just need the microphone. Please. So Lizzie um, is the better half of Lizzie and Dave. So, so Lizzie's married to Dave, who's our worship pastor, but she's amazing, a great friend of mine, as is Dave, Dave was. Um, so Lizzie, just to kick us off, why don't you tell us really briefly like, how you met Jesus? What's your come and see story? Um, well, very briefly, um, I grew up in a Christian home, and both my parents were Christians, and so were my grandparents, um, so I grew up going to church, so I guess they were the people who were part of the come and see thing for me. And you're particularly passionate, aren't you, about inviting people to come and see, like, why, why, why are you? Um, well, there's lots of reasons, I think, why I'm passionate about um, telling people about Jesus, but I think um, the more that I've journeyed with Jesus... Um, through the kind of ups and downs of life and some, you know, pretty hard things, the more I've realized that he is my hope and he's the hope that the people around me um, need. And so that's why I'm passionate about introducing them to him. And also I feel passionate that um, it's just what we're meant to do as people that know and love and follow Jesus, like you've been sharing this morning, Susie, that um, if we've come and seen and I've come and seen Jesus, then how can I not go and tell other people about him? Um, and I think also I feel passionate about sharing Jesus with others, not just because I feel passionate about it, but I feel that God has actually given me a passion for sharing him with other people. And partly that's been fueled by times when I have shared um, him and invited people to things and they, their lives have actually been totally changed. And one story of that was when I was doing my GCSEs, I was going along to church and um, one Sunday evening after the service, um, a girl that was in my year at school had just randomly arrived at the church. She was doing a textiles project and she wanted to come and look at the stained glass windows in the church. And so she just Googled like local churches and turned up at our church. And so I got talking to her and I invited her to come back, come to um, a youth alpha that we were running at the church at the time. She came along, uh, came to Soul Survivor after that and we invited another couple of friends to come with us from school. And she became a Christian, as did one of the other friends, who then went home and told her mum about it. And her mum and her sister came, and they became Christians. And they're all still going to church, still following Jesus. And um, that really excited me, and, and I think probably has fueled a passion for sharing, you know, from that point onwards, sharing Jesus with people and ex expecting him to do exciting things. And so you heard my story earlier of um, inviting people in it, not necessarily being the most positive experiences. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any moments where you've invited people and you've been like, oh, that was a nightmare? Um, well, I haven't had any, like, standout moments where it's been, like, a massive flop. But I've Can you just say you did? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, but I've had loads of no's and lots of discouragements along the way. Um, there was one time at university where I invited a housemate who I've been having loads of chats with about... Um, Jesus, and she was, seemed really interested. So I invited her to a talk, which was entitled, Is Good Good Enough? And uh, she said, yeah, I'll come along. That's fine. And I thought, this is it. This is the time. Like, we talked for ages. She's going to come to this talk, and she's going to be like, 
yes, I want to follow Jesus. So I was really excited. And she came along and she sat in the talk and I um, listened to what the guy was saying. And I thought, this is amazing. She's, you know, this is going to be the moment. He was talking all about grace and how actually our good isn't good enough. It's not the thing that will bring us love and acceptance and forgiveness from God. It's only by trusting in Jesus. And so I thought, yes. <laughs> and I turned to her afterwards and I was like, what do you think? And I've never, never seen her so angry about anything ever. She was like, I can't believe what that guy just said, that there's nothing that I can do that's good, that will be good enough for God. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's your reaction. And, and that was it for her. Like she just, she couldn't get past that point. And it was really discouraging because mm. I thought this will be it. But I think that's taught me that um, all I can do is, um, is to ask people, invite them, and then you just have to trust God well, it, but it, the rest is up to God. Um, and more recently, I've stepped out and um, run Alpha at home because it hasn't been that easy for me to come along with friends here to Alpha. So I decided to do an Alpha in our house. And I thought, right, I'm just going to go big. And so I invited most of the people that I knew who didn't know Jesus. So it was about 11 people who I asked. Um, and five of them came along to the first one, said, yes, we'll come along. They came along. And three of them said that they would carry on. So three have done a few weeks of it. And then over the summer, we stopped. And I texted them this week saying, great, is everyone up for, you know, starting it again? And two of them are carrying on. So that's been really exciting. But also, that's obviously been quite discouraging as well. So the mix of both. There's been a little bit of a mix. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you've got to know these people on the streets. And how has, like, inviting people along to things, like, has that changed your relationship with them? Yeah, definitely. Even, uh, well, I've had some great conversations with those that have come. You know, we've talked, I've known some of them for a long time, but we've really been able to, you know, talk about things much on a much deeper level and uh, find out what they really think about faith and for them to know a bit more about what I think. But even the people who've said no, actually, and who've decided, you know, came to the first one and decided that it wasn't for them, we've had some great chats as well. And I think I don't feel like that's the end with them either. Mm. And so... Um how did these relationships start? Like, how, how, how have you built them? Did you just bump into them in the street? Or, you know, and, and don't, share, don't hold back. Perhaps share some of the ways that you've invited people into your home. Um, I think uh, when I was thinking about this, I was like, actually, I love getting to know people and finding out about them and listening to their story. And so I think we've tried to find ways that we can to just get to know the people on our streets. I really feel that that's where God's put us. So let's make the most of every opportunity. Um, and share life with them, the, the highs and the, the lows. And um, we've, we've done all sorts of things. So we've had brunch at our house and we've just invited all our neighbours. We've done mince pies and carols at Christmas at our house. Um, and four years ago, I started a book club. And uh, there was one other lady who'd said, yes, I'll, I'm up for that. So I made an invite and I stuck it through loads of other people's doors on our street and said, if you fancy coming along. And so we got three people. Um, <laughs> one of them was me, actually. So, um, <laughs> But then, I think that counts. Yeah, yeah. So three of us to start with. And one of them was like, I've come, but I don't really read books. So I was like, oh. Um, but anyway, um, now... Well, how did, that, did they start reading? Or? No, she still doesn't read oh, books. Just, okay. But four years later, she still comes. And we actually have about 15 of us now who come. Wow. And we meet once a month. And just often it isn't a lot to do with the book. It's just about chatting and getting to know each other. But that's been amazing. And last Easter, I was like, I need to take the opportunity with this group to share something of Jesus with them. So I said, would you be up for reading a book about Easter? Um, and they were like, okay. So I got this little book out and I was like, 
you know, do you fancy reading this? So they went away and read it. And then the next month when we got together, I said, right, well, what did you think? And we just had a, an amazing discussion. Like, I let them say whatever they wanted to say about it. And so that was brilliant. Um, and then last Easter, we had, um, well, this Easter just gone, we had an Easter egg hunt at our house. And I just made invitations. I'm sure David mentioned it before that. I just stuck invitations down the whole of our street in everybody's doors. He was like, oh, my goodness, how many people are going to come? Um, but so we had an Easter egg hunt. And we showed a little video to the kids at the end of, you know, that was for kids about what the message of, um, of Easter. We've try, we're trying at the moment to invite some neighbours over different months to come and have dinner and just get to know them a bit better. And then this week, um, I've been trying to think, how do I get um, our children, like how do we make this family and how do we involve chil our children in it? And so this week we've invited um, an older couple, they're in their 80s, who live on our road to come and have afternoon tea with us. And Reuben, who's our eldest, like had to go at writing a little invite to them. And he was like, we're, we're talking about them serving them cakes and sandwiches. So we're going to do that. Um, and also, we've just taken the opportunity whenever there's things at church, so a normal service, you know, the Sunday service, we've just invited people to that. But also, carols, the carol services, we've had neighbours come along to those. And when we, our boys were dedicated here, we invited all our neighbours and said, come, you know, come along. And loads of them came and just loved being here. Um, and family services and... Um, wow, this sounds like a full-time job. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing. And I just don't get paid. <laughs> well, it's all in the kingdom. Um, and, and so um, all these people that you've invited, like if we were to add them all up, there would be multiple handfuls now. And um, you've experienced revival? They all oh, yeah, Jesus? they're all Christians. No, not at all. <laughs> so tell us, tell no, us about so, that. No, there aren't many of them, I think, that have become Christians. Um, but it's a journey, isn't it? And, um, and we've had some amazing conversations and we'll keep, you know, chatting. Like the, the couple that I was saying we're going to have for afternoon tea this week, they came to the invitation Sunday last time and they were really moved by being here. But when we said, do you want to come to Alpha? They were like, no. Nah. Um, but we'll ask them again. You know, we'll keep, you keep asking. Um, and also I've just realized that, that it's, it's my job, our job to sow seed and it's, it's up to God then to do the rest. He's the only one who can change their hearts. And I was really encouraged a few years ago that um, I had a, an email out of the blue from a girl that I was at university with saying, I just wanted, well, it was a Facebook message, actually. She, she said, I've searched for you on Facebook. I just wanted to tell you um, what this, she had been an atheist at university and she very strongly said, you know, say I'm an atheist. She when she found out I was a Christian, she just grilled me. She wanted to pull apart everything I thought. Um, and we chatted lots and lots of times. And she came along to things and sort of really, you know, yeah, grilled me. Um, anyway, nothing changed for her when she was at university. But she, she contacted me on Facebook to say, I have been invited to a church and I've gone along and I've actually decided to follow Jesus. Wow. And I, I've got in touch with you to let you know that that's what's happened. And I wanted to say thank you for being part of the start of my my journey of knowing Jesus. And I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and um, what was the time lag on that? Is that like a 10, a ten Yeah, I mean, year? that was a long term, yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So that was a couple of years ago that she emailed me. Well, I was at university like, I don't know, 10 or so years ago. So yeah, amazing. And such an encouragement that actually you, you I never know from the conversations that you have, even when it seems like someone is really negative what might come from that in the future. And you might never hear those stories, but yet, you know, God is at work even when it feels hard. Yeah. And so the final, final question, Lizzie, before we pray, you know, what, 
you seem to have this stuff nailed. Like, what would be some top tips that you could give to us this morning, if you have any? Um, well, I think I'd just say, go for it. Um, like when I was starting the Alpha thing, I just thought, right, you know what? I'm not going to ask one person. I'm just going to say, who do I know who doesn't know Jesus? Let's just invite all of those people. And uh, even on the school run, I just said to a few mums that when Reuben was at nursery, I said, oh, yeah, di- having dinner tonight. And we're talking about faith. Do you fancy coming? And I just tried asking lots of people. So I just say, go for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Just ask. And like you said, what's the worst that can happen? And actually, you might be surprised by who says yes. Um, in the way that I was. Um, and, but also, I've been really challenged recently that I need to pray more for the people that I invite um, because it is hard and sometimes, yeah, people, there is discouragement. So I'd say pray for who to invite, pray before you invite them, pray for them as you're asking them, pray when you've invited them, pray for them even if they say no, you know, keep praying for them um, because it is God who ultimately is the only one who can change their heart. Mm. Well, let's give Lizzie a clap. Well done, mate. And um, why don't we stand, if you're able. Lizzie's going to help us as well. You see, when we see Jesus, we experience him. When we experience him, we change, and then we can't help but go.